Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Ross from Father Son and it's a great chat. We have a little natter over Zoom. He's at home in Glasgow uh, and we talk we talk all the usual stuff, all the usual song selections. He picks some ace records and we go in on these. And uh, yeah, you're going to love him. He's such a, such a uh, friendly, kind, warm dude. And we have a lovely chat. Before we get on with that chat, uh, a few thank yous. So thanks to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to 76 for producing this. And biggest thanks. Go to you lot. Uh, thanks for continuing to support this podcast uh, and just be really nice. Um, we're 350 episodes in there and uh, it's just a joy. Every day I get to sort of tuck myself away in the little studio at the end of the garden and talk to lovely people about music, which is my favourite thing to do anyway. And the fact I record it now and throw it out there and, and people seem to enjoy listening makes it a massive bonus so thanks uh everyone um if it's your first time listening um when you finish listening to this chat with ross uh, go and explore the uh the, the vaults because there's 350 episodes um with stacks and stacks and stacks of people from your favorite bands um some of your favorite actors loads of your famous comedians even producers producers like butch vig who produced Nirvana, um, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, that's a great chat. Um, my, my chat with um, Foo Fighters is a really fun listen. Um, I would recommend going and checking out my chat with um, Idols, uh, Sleaford Mods. They're, they're really good natters. Um, they, do you know what? I've not really had a duffer yet. They've all just been really lovely people. I think when you, you talk to creative people about music, then it's their love, isn't it? So they, they come alive when they talk about it. And when you're talking about your favourite records, you speak with passion. And yeah, and I'm I'm just lucky to be able to sort of capture that on this little podcast and throw it your way. So uh, it's all for free. Uh, so yeah, go subscribe and go check out the back catalogue. Um, mainly, first things first, please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Father Son. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. 
It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us. But they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Wonderful. Right, we are recording. Uh, Ross, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Just sitting in my kitchen. Where's your kitchen? Where's home? Uh, So I'm in Glasgow. Lovely. Lovely. Glasgow, so sad. I'll take it. Um, I'm presuming it's cold up there. It's cold down here, so if it's cold here, it's got to be cold up there. (laughs) It's pretty much the... uh, the only sure thing in this world, <laughs> if it's warm in England, it will be cold in Scotland. Uh, <clears throat> but no, just in the kitchen, I've got a studio set up in the kitchen because, you know, I don't think you should ever be too far from the kettle. 100%. So that's pretty much the deal. Well, but no, I'm doing, doing fine. Had a fun day. Good so stuff. Far. Well, like talking about sort of studios at home, um, before we get on to your, your song choices today, Ross, let's let's, let's talk about kind of those their four walls and the recent few years and I just wondered how that's affected you how it was for you personally and creatively so <clears throat> are we talking about the last few years as in like a pandemic correct or yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay so I was actually at my parents I'd went down to my parents probably like two months before the lockdown because I had a lease end on a flat and I was like, I'm going to be on tour until the middle of March. So there's no point in me moving all my stuff to somewhere I'm not sure. going to live for the next like two months. So I'd sort of moved in. And then we played a show in Aberdeen on the 15th of March 2020 with Lewis Capaldi. And then came down the road and mass gatherings had stopped. And seven days later, that was it. So to be honest, for, for what the world was feeding... I was quite happy to be at home, yeah. you know, because you never really, it was one of those opportunities that you get to be with your loved ones in a situation that's quite mental. Mm-hmm. And um, I was quite lucky that there was my old bedroom. I just kind of set a studio up in. Yeah. So I was, I was quite lucky. So my brother is a drummer. So there was like a drum kit of his there and I had kind of taken in my flat that I had I had monitors and mics and stuff like that and a bunch of guitars and it was one of those things where because we grew up in that house and we always used like we had a spare room that we had drums set up and stuff in it gone from making loud noises and communal living to like being in a cul-de-sac where everyone grew up with us for the last 20 years yeah. so if you were a bit loud it had already surpassed anyone complaining yeah. by about a decade so that was actually super lovely. Like my dad plays the piano, so there's a piano down the stairs and like do you know it sort of for all the situations it could have been 
was very lovely. Uh, so yeah, I just sort of started the first couple of months of lockdown, to be honest, dude. Loved it. Like, creatively though, did you, did, did, did it, you know, to have that opportunity as a, you know, as a musician where the kind of breaks have been put on what you, you know, you do outside of the studio, um, did you feel inclined to think, shit, right, okay, like, uh, I better hurry up and write something, like, I've got this time, I should write, or, or did you just kind of, like, I guess so many of us, I don't know really, because... I think the situation that was thrust upon us, I think initially a lot of us thought in a couple of weeks it'd all be back to normal. Uh, and and I think maybe a few weeks in the knee-jerk stuff started happening where it was like, oh, hang on, this this is, you know, this ain't going away. Like, I need to do this now. Like, how, how was the process for you in regards to sort of writing again? To be honest, the... Uh... Yeah, because I remember being at those shows just before it all stopped and everyone being like, all right, well, I'll see you in May. Yeah. Do you know? Not like May 2021. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Um, To be honest, for the first, I'd say until August, the end of July into August, loved it because Throughout the previous year, I'd been writing lots of music with lots of different people and trying to get sessions in different places lined up was always, you know, you'd be like completely battling with the calendar. Um, and then all of that moved to being online where everyone was kind of home and wanted something to do. Yeah. So it took a lot of the like, with the best will in the world, and I've obviously, I've gone into sessions the same where you travel 12 hours for a bad verse. Like, as <laughs> you know, you don't click and you, yeah. but you get to do this sort of pre-meeting where you'll have some things that go really well and some things that don't and that no one's travelled for a load of time so I think everybody quite enjoyed that the first couple of months I wrote with so many different people and got so many ideas from different things and was like really good actually like I'd cycled pretty much every day because it was the only thing I could do that was away from any people and I made stuff up because obviously at that point no one saw it coming but no one knew when it was going to end and stuff like that so there was a freedom in the creativity for me there to be like I can spend three days trying to work out how this synth works Mm. instead of having to do it in front of a bunch of people in a session or in a studio where like I can make all my mistakes in my own time I can take five minutes in my own house I can take that sort of stuff, there was a, quite a, a nice thing. The difficult part that I found was after that. So wrote a record and went into the studio and made a record. But actually that adjustment from, not really from like a, like I'm a super like sociable person and like really love that. But my tank was like empty. And I was afraid of how to navigate getting back into the world in that respect. Because I was like, is this a sensible thing to do? Is this a safe thing to do? Is this, where does my responsibility lie for this, this, this and this? And obviously I was living with my parents, so I didn't want to be irresponsible and bring it back into the house. And no one really knew, like... So that further six months once we made the record, I sort of was kind of sitting on my thumbs. 
and going like, I don't, like, I'm kind of waking up to go back to sleep at the moment because the record's done and yeah. I've kind of, like, I kind of can't be bothered. But not in like a, I don't want to work way, but just like my whole body was like, I think the effects of all of that sort of stuff took a wee while to catch up with me. I think I was kind of like really enjoying the freedom. And then as soon as dribs and drabs of the world came in that sort of disrupted that, it kind of threw me off course and I didn't really know how to... Well, things like... So if you meet someone and you can't give them a hug, it's like all of this sort of like platonic intimacy that goes on in the real world. The real world felt like a Zoom call. Yeah. Because it was like... Well, we are doing this thing together, but we're kind of afraid of being anywhere near each other and like doing this sort of thing. So I kind of feel like I went through six months in a sort of. I was I was worried about doing things that were pedestrian because everything was like, well, arranged. I think the spontaneity got taken out of life a bit. A hundred percent. Which, like, is he even just now when I was looking to come on? And talk to you. I was looking at the minutes. Yeah. Whereas I would have never done that before. I would have never been like, right, well, uh, exactly <laughs> X time I'm going to be doing this. Oh, what's so. amazing is it's the first time I've been late for after 350 episodes. <laughs> the one time you're bang on the money. <laughs> it's like, huh? He's not even here. <laughs> no, but, but not even that. But just like that sort of like, you feel those minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. That, it would ne- never have never mattered, would it? Before. It wouldn't have mattered before. Because I would have come in as, like, <clears throat> usually people who are late, and I'll hold my hands up, usually bound in with a big amount of personality that makes you go, that's a pain in the arse, but I still like you. Yeah. Do you know? Rather than being like, oh, so you were sat on your couch doing nothing, and you were still, do you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. sort of, like, the sort of, like... Just, just to clarify, uh, I was sitting on my couch doing nothing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, literally was. I just got a notification saying Ross has joined the chat. I thought, he's keen. It's not till four. And then I thought, I better double check. Shit, he's half three. <laughs> Quick, go. <laughs> no, there's no shame getting thrown, but I think that sort of, like... It was unfamiliar. Obviously, you know that if you've been in a band for years or you've toured or you've done stuff like that, you know you need to get in the van at this time. Yeah. You know that you're going on a plane at this time. You know you're going on stage at this time. But all of those things are malleable within what's happening within the conversations between human beings. And I've re- I really struggled with that sort of, the isolation of it all. Um, probably for, probably until about the spring of this year. Yeah. It really was quite... Uh, not myself, which I think that's happened to lots of people, and I think it's definitely. definitely. On one hand, I was probably more creative than I'd been in the previous year, but on the other hand, I had so many things that I didn't want to write about that I was feeling, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of within, or my opinion now within songwriting is it's like you can lay it all bare, and, and that's totally fine, but. If you're in a place where you're really not feeling very well and you lay it all bare, you don't want to be reminded of that for the rest of your life. Yeah. So there needs to be some sort of umbrella over your situation and someone yeah. to be like, I don't I don't think you'll have wanted to say that in a year's time. So hold the boat. 
But then the last couple of months has been great. You know, great. just sort of like we managed to go on tour within that weird window mm-hmm. of there being shows for like three months, and then in Scotland that over Christmas and stuff. So everything kind of is still up in there a bit at the moment as to whether that's going to come back. But I think it's one of those things. You were like a caged animal. Yeah. You're like, right, I want to go out and do it. And then you're like, I only got 12 shows. And then you're like, well, it was actually only 100 days that people could play shows. And you managed to play shows for 12 of yeah. them. So that's actually pretty good. 100%. In the, in the grand scheme of what actually happened there. But I think everybody's just waiting for this, for the bell jar to lift. Yeah. And it'd be like, life is amazing again. <laughs> na, 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 na. But... Our, I, I really, I don't think it's going to happen like that. I, I think that's also the thing, the thing that spins, was spinning me out is to be like, okay, one day I'm going to wake up and it's just going to be back to normal. It's it's and so I, weird, man. Like I, I've run a venue like for, for 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 thirty years now, and we've just been notified in obviously in in England that as of Wednesday, COVID passports are no longer required to get into to yeah. venues. So. Whatever you, you you take is on that. Like as, as somebody that you know runs a venue, wants to see young people enjoy themselves, and it's uh, it's been. I mean, it was it's been a, a weird eighteen months of being shut. How, but it, how, yeah, how how have you found it? Have you been shut for the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Like um, we we reopened when when was it? Kind of just before, was it October last year? Um, after being shut from literally February or whatever it was, February, early March. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, um, it's my livelihood and it was surreal. Uh, and to see what you said about that sort of caged up kind of want to get out there and do it. I think I imagine that was probably reciproc- reciprocated by the crowd that was at your shows as well, because what we see like was the amount of people that were coming through the doors that just, and, and as well as that, young people, like young people that turned, like, like my daughter turned 18 during lockdown, had never been to a club or a show. And all of a sudden, wow. they get to experience being in a room with like-minded people, you know, from similar tribes that, that want to experience similar. music. And it's, 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 it was fucking beautiful. It really was. And, and yeah, and then the, the, the passports thing made life very tricky, but, you know like any small business you've got to jump through the hoops to stay trading and so we done that and as of Wednesday I mean obviously when Scotland announced that clubs were shutting again it was like oh shit that's the writing on the wall for us and you know mm. not that I've got anything positive to say about our Prime Minister but um, somehow you know he managed to keep the venues open uh, but that's not a compliment to him in any way shape or form but uh, but yeah so it's, it's been it's been odd uh, you know, being sort of this side of the, the venue rather than being a, a, an artist, and yeah, and and so many other venues and 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 you know clubs that I've, I've worked with over the years, you know, some of them have have not made it through it, and, and it's it's uh, it's strange, man. It's, yeah, as, as a touring musician, I'm sure you know you know full well I think that that's one one of the saddest casualties of that is that they're going to be there's going to be. I haven't seen the list, but I know that there was some. I saw that Gorilla in Manchester was my big enough shutdown, and then beautiful and then campaign to save that. That was great. To save it mm. because it's like you don't start off in Wembley Arena. It doesn't exist. You yeah. start off in a shit pub, and then you go into a slightly better pub, 
and then you maybe go into this and you go into the next thing and that's really where you make your friends yeah that's that's how it is like that sort of losing any grassroots venue to this is a sin because yeah. it's like people need that it's like a culture that's like just evaporating culture completely um so i'm glad to hear that you're back open and yeah things are things are running and and that's good because, well yeah it must Fingers have been crossed. a it must have been a, a weird old time i it think was everybody a... <clears throat> i don't from, from a touring point of view coming back out in in those times there i think the biggest paranoia was getting it because you would have to be off for 10 days so there is like if you're on tour for two weeks then 80 percent of it is knackered so yeah. i think i'm quite looking forward to that dissipating and i think that's going to be a good thing 100 percent. let's talk records yes track one ross tell me the song that you think has the greatest ever intro please i think and it, like I think this band are like completely unsung, uh, amazing. But it's a song called 100%. "Little Bear" by Guillemots. I, I genuinely think it's one of the most beautifully arranged and sonically, emotionally pleasing intros of anything that I've ever heard. And it's like for the type of band you think Guillemots is. So that was sort of on like the up and coming with the indie stuff sort of alongside Block Party and the Cooks and all of that sort of stuff and it's just got this depth of feeling like I've never I've listened to a lot of music for my whole life and I've never heard a string chord actually sound like that yeah. I played like so from my whole sort of like young days and teens and into my I went to university, so I played classical double bass. So that's how I got into... So I played in orchestras, school orchestras, and local authority orchestras and stuff like that. So I've actually genuinely been there when there's been 70 like string players playing together, and I've never heard it sound like that. Yeah. It's just... It hits you right in the stomach. It's, it's, it's so interesting you say about that band. They're, they're massively underrated, and... I remember sitting watching the chart show or, or, or some music TV show and seeing the video to Trains to Brazil or Trains from Brazil to or from mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and thinking, that's good. And uh, and I think they were signed to a major then. Uh, and then hearing, uh, oh, I really want to get these right. I've had them on the podcast as well, so I should, I should get it right. <laughs> and, and he Let's Not Wait, I think, was the second <laughs> single. And then hearing Made Up Love Song, and I was like, fuck, this is a... And Made Up Love Song blew me away. Like, yeah. I thought that was incredible. Uh, so I went and got the album. Uh, and then when I got the album home, I was like, oh, this is different. And Little Bear Man, like, it's just a beautiful soundscape before anything really kind of kicks at all isn't it and it's just lush it's uh he's uh l lush is great yeah he's crazy bonkers and absolutely yeah and and absolutely wonderful and he's doing he's doing lots of soundscapey stuff now i don't know if you follow him um and and what he's up to like um but yeah like it, when, when i saw your, your list come over and i see guillemots i thought i've never really spoke at length about this band and no one's ever brought them up because they're I don't know what because they're underrated I guess and and I think anybody that might just base them on hearing a couple of songs you know 
dig a little deeper because there's a lot of depth there to dig in. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think it. I think it encapsulates. So one of my favorite one band that is super inspiring to me and that I love a lot is Sigur Ross. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think they're like absolutely amazing, and I think within that song "Little Bear," it does all of the things that Sigur Ross do for me and more because it's this sort of like wonky, off kilter love song that just transcends through, but also. Years ago, I heard so Fife Dangerfield. That's yeah. his name. Um, he does a version of "It's All She's Always a Woman." Yeah, by Billy Joel. That is just so good. Mm. His voice is killer. The way he voices chords are amazing, and so like made up love song, unbelievable song. Annie, let's not wait. But it's like pop music. It's pop music made by someone that understands music. And I, I, I just think that it makes a lot of sense if he's making soundscapes and things now because there was so much more to pull out of that band than I think they ever got an opportunity to to show. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's tale as old as time, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. L- Little Bear, I still put it on and I go, How? Yeah. How 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 did that happen? How does that work? I don't even know what that chord is. Yeah. Are you sat a, on the piano? Are you a fan it. of Are you a fan of Talk Talk? I don't really know. You should talk you talk. should you should check out some uh, some Talk Talk. If you like Sigur Ross and you like Little Bear, um, check out some uh, sort of later later era Talk Talk. You're you're. I'm sure you'll be aware of some of the earlier stuff like It's My Life and things like that. They're like huge. 80s pop songs. No, no. I'm th- I, just when you said there, it's my life. I sang. Bon you went into Doctor Alban then, didn't you? No, I'm that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one that um, No yeah. Doubt covered in the 90s. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah, check out the the, the, the later parts. Later. It's 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 kind of very much. Uh, I, I think uh, influenced things like Cigaros and uh, cool. yeah, well, well worth a listen. I reckon. Amazing. I, thank you. And also, if your name is Fife Dangerfield, you're destined for greatness, aren't you? What a name. What? You need to be careful, though. Like, you need to know that kid's going to be cool. Like, <laughs> you, need, you need to be banking on it, and you need to be doing your prep, and you need to be like, no, you don't, you don't eat mud. Don't do things like that. You don't do that. You've got a leather jacket, and you're cool. Like, you can't, I mean, like, it is, on one hand, obviously the coolest like one of the coolest guys but if he wasn't then that's just glutton for punishment for kids at school yeah to be like oh five danger field but yeah. luckily but then again i don't think i've ever met anyone with a cool name that wasn't always cool as well yeah five danger field you've either going to be a rock star or a stunt man it's a good name for a stunt man <laughs> <laughs> The name's Dangerfield. Yeah. Go get five for this one, mate. It's a serious job. <laughs> it's a serious job. <laughs> right. Okay, Ross, let's take you back, man. And I'm going to ask you for the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, mate. I got a copy of... I mean, I feel like it's quite a cliche answer, but I got a copy of Grace by Jeff Buckley as when I was really young. I think I got it for like my 12th birthday or something like that. It's a heavy record for a 12-year-old. I hated it. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I hated it. I was like, what is this rubbish? I was listening to Stained and System of Down and like... Just, I was just going through like a sort of phase. Um, so it just it sat gathering dust for years. But a family member got me it. And I, so I kept it because it was a gift. Um, and then I was about, I don't know, 16. I just had my first flirtation with romance. And I found this record. And I was like, it's me. Everything is me. The whole thing. I can, oh, I can, oh. So I think I was just like completely, I got it. Yeah. I tried to get it from, I mean, I mean, 12, but like I tried to get it and then I got it in lilac wine. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'd even had a glass of red wine, do you know, yeah. at that point? Well, maybe not. Maybe that's uh, not true. But I just had this sort of, I've I've played it. For for years since, it just was a super inspiring thing, because it was the antithesis to everything else I'd been listening to. So I'd been listening to like I grew up like with emo, do you mm-hmm. know? So like My Chem and System of a Down and like all of those unbelievable bands, and this was the thing that made me more emo. Than yeah. all of the stuff that they were speaking about, because it was like even more subtle. And so my sort of like growing up, my parents listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and uh, who else, Carol King and Eva Cassidy and that sort of stuff. And then I discovered sort of like new metal and emo. And this record was like the most subtle, nonchalant thing. That it didn't even sound like he cared if you listened to it. Yeah. Like, all the hits are just, like, they didn't know more. And it's not in your face. So, yeah, I kind of dove deeper and deeper into that. I found that even more endearing and intriguing than all of the other stuff that was vying for my attention. So, I think that sort of 
Yeah. I just remember just walking about with my like personal CD player in my bag and my headphones and it's skipping and just be like, la la Like, I just think it's like gorgeous. That, that whole record was probably the first time that some things locked into place. Yeah. Where I was, I was feeling those feelings and not just singing about them. And that, uh, yeah, it was really an amazing time. It's a, it's a lovely record, Lilac Wine. And, and yeah, it's, I, I, I just have this, this thing and, and someone else chose a, 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 a Buckley record a few weeks back. And I, I, it just doesn't connect properly with me. Like it does all of my friends. And I, I, I want to love Jeff Buckley. I really love, um, it's not on Grace, uh, every, everybody here loves you. Like, and, uh, and, and I love Last Goodbye. I'm a massive Leonard Cohen fan, massive Smiths fan. And like on paper, that record, Nina Simone fan, all of that, that record should hit every single point. But I don't know what it is. And, and whether it was one of the things that everybody was going, mate, go and buy Grace, you'll love it. Yeah. Like no, and everyone tells you you're going to love something that you kind of think, well, I'll be the judge of that, thank you. And, and <laughs> well, I'm just going to hate it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, just because is, you've told you know, me, I was that much of a, an indie wanker that I was like, no, I don't like it then. <laughs> but yeah, how it, dare you? <laughs> but it's it's really weird, and and to this day, it's like I I, I own it, and and everyone you know, every once in a while, I'll go right, I'm going to put Grace on, and it gets to the end, and I think that's yeah, good that. I don't get that. That's fucking mind blowing. That record, which I know I'm in the minority there. I know like all of my pals are like this record's special, and I just yeah, this I, I don't quite get the Jeff Buckley thing, and I wish I did because the people I know that love it really fucking adore it. Yeah, I mean that's just the same as anything. Maybe you just need to. Let your inner 12-year-old take a couple of years off. I don't think I can. You, you get it, but, <laughs> but, but... Also, who cares? Like, it's not like... You're not, we're not built to like it. There is other music out there, I think. I'll have a look about, see if there's something else. I'm sure there's it's other stuff out the, there. Like, I mean, the rest of my songs are all from that. The only other song I've ever heard was Little Bear by Guillemot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to ask you for track three, Ross. The song that reminds you of your time at school, please, mate. Mm, Mr. Writer by Stereophonics. I was a massive Stereophonics fan when I was growing up. Like, humongous. And it kind of coincided with when we started the band and I could play those songs. So one of the first songs we ever learned was Mr. Writer by Stereophonics. Because, I mean, we've been... It's kind of a weird thing to say, but we've we've been playing music with each other for longer than we haven't in our time alive. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? So it's like we would have been like thirteen or fourteen. I had my big Jim Deacon acoustic, and I was playing up front of them, and they're playing drums and stuff like that. And it was just like I loved that band, and I think like I remember buying they had a DVD of them live at Morpha Stadium. And I must have, like, I played that, like, a hundred times. Like, like so much. I don't even know what it is. I think it literally yeah. stopped working. But I was never really, didn't never really want to make that kind of music. But I wanted to create that sort of feeling 
Do you know, I was like, this is cool. I just yeah. think it's, I don't even know what they're singing about. What is, who's Mr. Writer? What is that? Like, and yeah, it just reminds me of like being in like the spare room in my mum and dad's house or like Greg's bedroom or that sort of stuff, trying to be like, what's a chord? What's that? That's yeah. cool. And just like, just, and there was a video of it, like some family member had, and we watched it, and it's absolutely like horrible. <laughs> like you would, you would be remiss to even know that it was Mr. Writer, but I just li- liked it. It was just yeah. one of the first things that we ever learned, and it we kind of came from that angle. So like, as much as I loved heavy music, I'd probably say, and I actually haven't included him on this list, and I don't know why, but I'd say like Damien Rice is probably one of my biggest inspirations. I, th- I genuinely think. If you're gonna, it's kind of like the Buckley thing times 10 for me. It's like, I've never heard another record where you can literally hear someone's heart break. Yeah. Like, it's just, he's just telling you how it is. It's not like, and he also was like swept up with like major label and it's all like massive, but they like always this record that's like. Perfection. Ah. It's, it's. I just don't even I, like understanding the world of the music and working in it. I, like people must have believed in him and rightly so, so much that he could have a six-minute song where he became a choir of himself, like just going, "I know, I love you," like doing whale song and stuff like that. It's just like it's one of the. It's probably the most perfect record that, that I know of. Yeah. So, like, I came into playing rock music, being a big fan of rock music, but really. Actually, want to be Damien Rice instead of one sort of hit the middle lane of that where it was like rock music, but from a guy like we've always said, and, and, and countless people say it, but it's true. Like, if you can't sing it in a pub on an acoustic guitar, then what's the point? Do you know that's Completely. the mark of a great song is Completely. that some it can be you, it can be anyone, and someone's just battering away and have the time of their life. So, I think. It's- I've been I've been quite lucky with the Stereophonics. So I, I got to support the Stereophonics on one of their very early tours. Like Amazing. very, very probably their first tour. If I remember rightly, and I hope I get the story right, they signed to V two, which was an offshoot of Virgin, wasn't it? And uh-huh. yeah. and I believe that the what they done was the label paid venues to put them on on this tour. And this tour they played something like three hundred however many shows in a year. And one of them happened to be in Southend at, uh, at the time. The venue was called the Esplanade. It's now moved to, the chi- uh, to a place called Chinnery's now. Uh, and, and my band got the support slot. And I think, I think I'd heard, what come first, Thousand Trees or um, Local Boy? I think it was Thousand Trees I'd heard. And I remember thinking, fuck, this band's really good. And And we see them. Oh, my God. Like, his voice, Stuart Cable as well, like yeah. drumming monster, like absolute monster drumming, and and it was just a huge noise for a free piece. And uh, and then fast forward many many years to to uh, me working at the venue and stuff. I then got invited just because I was a DJ. I got invited to the album launch party for what's the third album called? Just enough education to perform. That no, one. It's not. Is it? The, the so, one with Mr. Writer on. 
Yeah, yeah, just enough education. Work gets around, then yeah, it was... And step them all size nine. Well, yeah. So that was on that record. So you got Word Gets Around. I can't remember what the first one's called. Cocktails and, uh, cocktails and something in it. I need to find that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, just like insane. For a three-piece, you're totally right. It's just one of those things where it was like kind of bluesy, but kind of yeah. huge. Just like this. And, yeah. And, and it was, and, and basically it was like a playback thing. And I hadn't heard anything from the, the, the new record. And we only went because we didn't have any money. And, and it was a case of like, there'd be some free beers. And it was like, great, <laughs> let's, let's go and like hear the new Stereophonics record and go and have some free lager. And, uh, and the they, they first track I played was Mr. Writer. And, and I remember sort of like listening to it. And, and we was trying to look like we kind of knew what we was doing and we should have been there. And we was chin scratches, but we was just there for the free beer. But, I remember thinking, has he upset someone at the NME or something? Because it's a gnarly record, Mr. Writer, isn't it? Like, he's not a happy boy there. And I don't know what happened, whether it was, the, I guess at the time it could have been the Melody Maker, uh, or, or it could have been Kerrang! Kerrang! were big big supporters of the Stereophonics as well. They were one of them bands. And, you know, that happened sort of few and far between, but, uh, uh, you know... <coughs> Excuse me, Biffy being a prime example, <clears throat> massive cover stars of Kerrang! as much as they would be on the NME. And, yeah. and this, you know, it takes a special kind of band to be able to transcend that. Uh, and I think at that point, the Phonics were, were, were doing that. But yeah, there was some bad blood somewhere and it come out in that record. Come in that song, yeah. 100%. But even like, the, I'll always, now that I'm thinking about that, intros, there's a, there's a song on that, the very first song called Vegas Two Times. Is the opening mm-hmm. song to that, and it's like <clears throat> loads of like it's just them warming up or getting ready for a take, and you can hear like the backing singers going mm-hmm. and like there's all this sort of stuff, and then the snare drum comes out and it goes da 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 da, and it's like ah, what? Yeah, for two bit, yeah, it's just like I absolutely love them, and then the next record as well. Uh, you got to go there to come back. I, I really loved that record as well. And then, as you do, you sort of fall away from things and and that sort of thing. And but those like first four Stereophonics records, <laughs> behave yourself. So so good. Some killer singles on them. And um, was Dakota on the fourth album? No, it was on. I've got their discography up just now, so I could look at it. Uh, it was on Language Sex Violence Other. So I mean, that was yeah. I think maybe the fourth album probably wasn't as commercially as successful as maybe the previous three. No. And to come back with Dakota, I mean, that is a pop gem of a single, isn't it? It's like, mate, what a single. Dakota put them in Mr. Brightside territory. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And to say Mm. that, like, it's on every function band's repertoire, whereas Mm. it would even with all those massive singles off the first three records. And, like, maybe Tomorrow was, like, the big one off mm. of the fourth one, which was everywhere and must have been, like, a top ten yeah. single and stuff like that. But Dakota is, like, the one. Maybe, yeah. Like, ah, it, it put them into some sort of, like... Because they've always been big. Like, in my memory of them, they've always been this, like, stadium, stadium-filling band. But Dakota is, like what will go down in the epitomes of history of that, like, those years in music, because 
you'll hear it on the radio today. You yeah. hear it on the radio in ten years. You're gonna hear that forever. It's gonna be within the zeitgeist for for as long. Hundred yeah. percent. That will be on a wedding playlist, snug between Mr. Brightside and Sex on Fire all day long. Well, hundred <laughs> percent for for most places around the world. Which, to be honest, is like if you've got a definition of made it. I mean, that's it. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, track four. Tell me the first record you remember buying from a record shop, please, Ross. I remember. So with this, I don't. <laughs> I don't really know if it counts as a record shop, but when. I was growing up in Kilmarnock. There was a record shop called Valhalla that was in the centre of thing. But I remember buying my first album in Asda, which is not very rock and roll. But for some reason, there was always like an awesome CD selection in it. And I'd go to other places, you know, you'd go and stay at your cousin's house or something like that. And you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go and like see what things in it was just like rubbish. And then I don't know, some person that managed the the entertainment part of the, the Kamarnak Asda was just like, no, we need to get the emos in here. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember Hybrid Theory was the first one I ever bought. It was Linkin Park. Because, so we didn't have Kerrang! when we were growing up, so, but my gran had Sky, so she would tape us, like, two hours on a videotape, and, like, every couple of weeks we'd see them, she'd be like, oh, I've filmed your telly show. And me and my little brother would just sit and just watch these music videos. And in the end, at that point, must have been on a tour video about 17 times. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, what is what is this thing? Um, so I bought it, and I absolutely loved it. And I played it to death, and I wrote in the, like, my favourite things in the, like, sleeve and all that kind of stuff, and, like, I'd take it to folks' houses, and I'd be like, oh, can we listen to this, and can we do that? And actually, for, like, a... It, my partner and I would do like a Christmas stocking so we'll go to somewhere you've got 15 minutes to spend £10 on stocking presents so and I managed to get her a copy of Hybrid Theory not even a month ago for £2 in a, like a Tesco and I was like getting this is amazing I was like <laughs> imagine getting one of the seminal records from our youth in 2021 like a CD in 2021 is a pretty far stretch never mind yep. Link Park Hyper Theory so like I played that to death we absolutely loved that and then Meteora and yeah I've just been I've actually been listening back to a lot of that stuff and lots of emo stuff because we were trying to go to that when we were young fest thing in Las Vegas so yeah like, it's been a fun that, that, that's caused us that's caused a stir yeah, and there's a big old line up there isn't it unbelievable scenes and it's just like but then it's also one of those things where you're like Oh, my favourite bands are doing like maybe like a heritage festival. Maybe yeah. I'm old. <laughs> but uh, I, I also think it's just amazing. What do you on, on on nostalgia tours? Um because I've spoke to people that are doing nostalgia tours and I've spoke to people that are doing nostalgia tours and don't really like to phrase it like that mm. um because they're still writing new music. Um but an example being, I've been to loads. I've been to see Lemonheads, Jane's Addiction, Pixies, all playing like, you know, seminal records uh, in their entirety. And then obviously back on for a greatest hits. I see Beach Boy, I see Brian Wilson do it. And, and every one I've gone to, yes, it's heavy on nostalgia, but 
it's not like you're taking anything away or, or, or then just going, oh, well, the Pixies are obviously shit then. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're the fucking Pixies. They're one of the most important bands ever. And they're playing this record for fans that are getting absolute joy hearing them songs played live. I personally think it's, I, I have no issue with it. And I don't think it means that these bands are no longer, you know, people are no longer in, in, interested in, you know, their, their recent or their new output. I, I just think it's a lovely thing to, to do and I don't see nostalgia as anything grotty at all. I I, I love it and I'm and I'm I'm in with both feet. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that sort of thing. I think it's all about like <laughs> okay, so if you are only going on tour because ten twenty years ago you had a massive hit record and then you really still have five or six records that didn't really go that well but you got like a fan base out of that and you know if you're gonna do this record you'll be able to be back in those venues that you did at that point. Totally fine. That's like, you really can't argue with that because nostalgia tours of bands that have like disbanded or like done anything like that, all power to you. If it's big anniversary and you want to go play those songs again, like, fair dues. But on the other hand, what do you think the biggest artists in the world do? Do you think they don't play all their massive hits? Do you know? So like if you go to see U2... You may get who who recently done the Joshua Tree tour though. Yeah, but also if you'd seen them ten years ago, would have done lots from War, lots from Joshua Tree, lots from that, lots, and it would have been like if they hadn't done it as a seminal album tour. Every show you go to see those bands is the greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, I know what you're saying. What I'm saying. Yeah, if you went to see you two and they didn't play We Were Without Your Streets Have No Name, you'd be a bit disappointed, wouldn't you? Well, 100%. But it just like, yeah. I think, actually, funnily enough, I was having a conversation about this today because I went to see Beyond. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Once a couple of years ago with Jay-Z and they played like a verse of Crazy in Love. And I was like... You can't do, like, folk are paying £100 a ticket and with artists that are that size, folk that love them are going to buy the first 30,000 tickets. And then folks, ma's and da's and uncles that know and aunties that know Beyonce and it's like, oh, we'll take the, kid, we'll take the, the kids out and we'll go to that thing. And like, I love that song she does and I love this sort of thing. There's, there's got to be at least 10,000 passive fans there. They're all paying a hundred pound a ticket to hear some songs that they know about you. I think you have a responsibility as an artist to, like, to have your vision and do your thing completely. But also, if you're going to be selling out football stadiums, you're going to need to shop and play the hits a wee bit. You need to know where 100%. your bread's buttered. Do you know, like, if you went to see, you know, uh, Talking Heads, and then play Psycho Killer, you'd be like, what? I went to see Shaka Khan and she didn't play Rocky, Rocky Shaka Khan. And I was like, that's like the big thing. Do you know, like, I always think that bands that are still touring, if they choose to take things out of the repertoire and put it back in, fine, because they're going to be back next year. 
But if it's like this band tours every five, ten years, like the Rolling Stones have got it right. They play all the hits. Yeah. Like, oh, man. It's, it's, I think that's what it's all about. Music is music. It's, if it's going to bring people joy, I don't find any. I think nostalgia tour, seminal album tour, whatever you call it. See if everyone yeah. leaves and has a good time. Yeah. Like, I would say don't go and buy a ticket to see Madonna then because uh, I paid £100 to see Madonna at Hyde Park because I'm I'm 48, I grew up in the 80s and she made some of the greatest pop music in the 80s and uh, I think she played three of her singles um, and, and part of the ticket price um, meant that um, we automatically bought uh, the download of her album so she obviously charted high as well because uh, you had to buy the album to buy a yeah. ticket uh, and then she played the album pretty much in its entirety to Hyde Park. If you're playing Hyde Park and you're Madonna, it goes back to exactly what you just said about you know the the, the people that are going to be there, people that are growing up on your music. Give them give them something. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're Madonna. You've got like forty top forty singles. <laughs> like just pick an handful of them and keep everyone happy, and you know get the new stuff in there. Obviously, but. People were leaving in droves. It was it was bad. And, and let me tell you how they ended it, right? So I think she played maybe three or four singles, right? You'll love this. And then she walked off stage at the end and just thought, right, it's got to be an encore because she hasn't played like, I don't know, 30 of her hits. <laughs> and uh, and you heard... Diddly, 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 diddly. I thought, man, she's playing Holiday. This is going to be incredible. And then the screens at Hyde Park, lit up with the video to holiday and the lights come on and her encore was the video <laughs> of holiday <laughs> and she just fucked off and it was like what band's ever done that yes i know, i understand madonna's a maverick and you know a bit of a trailblazer but to have your encore being your video that you made 30 years ago just kind of go and Go and do your yoga whilst everyone's sitting there, like watching your video from 1985. It's like, huh? It was very, very bizarre. Part, else, but, uh, part of me, part of me, <laughs> fucking loves that. That's such like. Part of me is like, that's really shite, and the other part of me is like, that's fucking class. Imagine just being like, I'm right. gonna come again next year. That's the like, I'm Madonna. See you in a bit. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I can't wait. I really hope in a few months I'm just on Twitter and it's like, hashtag father son. I'm like, what? And it's like, yeah, finished with just their videos. And they're wankers. Like, what was going on? <laughs> I'd be like, uh, I think you need to refer to the off the beaten track. <laughs> right, okay, mate. Um, track, was there two for that one? Uh, no, there's two for the... One about your favourite song from your artist from your home county because I didn't know if it was home county or home country, so I covered both. Perfect. And I'm quite happy right. to talk okay. at length well, about both. <laughs> wonderful. Well, before that, let's talk clubbing. Tell me the song that soundtracked your time clubbing. So I would have been what two thousand and when did I go to uni? Two thousand and ten. So I would have been like seventeen, eighteen. 2009-2010 I probably stopped clubbing in about 2000 and, uh, March 2020 just when the pandemic hit that's when I just stopped clubbing uh, no uh, <laughs> I think um, it was proper height of like the indie disco so I think there was like a touring thing so we had an ABC in Glasgow 
that was just the best. It was an amazing nightclub. It was an amazing venue. It was just like class because you could get like two and a half thousand people in it. And also Friday night would be propaganda, which would be like all the indie music and that propaganda was. I I DJed there. I DJed that night. Uh, 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 propaganda. I used to look after um, Jay from the Inbetweeners, <laughs> amazing. And uh, and, and we, we 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 came up and uh, and, we, and we DJ'd that. He met his wife that night there. She's from, uh, like, she's from um, Kilmarnock, actually, the same as us. I remember seeing yeah, that because yeah. it was all over. Like you know, Jay from Inbetweeners married his last from Kilmarnock, and I was like, oh my god. So he met her at <laughs> propaganda and the ABC. That was the night. That is yeah, class. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm so glad I said that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, so that that was kind of like used to like obviously go to other clubs and stuff like that. But to be honest, the other clubs were like proper dance music, and I would be lying to say that I even knew who it was or that I even cared. Yeah, because I actually just was having the time of my life. But like indie indie disco, so you'd have like Vampire Weekend and like so, and just have a bunch of wee guys, including myself, with bad haircuts, going like. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say like always like this was that perfect mix of like bands, band, and indie disco. So every time you hear it, you'd be like, you'd feel cool because you were like, well, it's actually Bobby Bicycle Club, and they do. Blah, blah, blah. But you'd also be like, no, you can wait for what. So like, I love that. I'll always remember just like, and they play it'd be like the same playlist every week. Like you didn't know what was about to come next. You'd be like, sometimes you'd yeah. be like, I don't really like that song. I can go for a cigarette and have a beer. And then I'll be back. <laughs> because I know that the next three are these, these, and these. And you're like, I'll yeah. get you at the Polar Bar for a, for a Bombay Bicycle Club. And folk be like, right, okay, I'll so what, about 25 minutes? I'll be like, yeah, cool. So, like... Love it. Yeah, that was like a big soundtrack to, to my uh, clubbing days. It was a great, great song. Wonderful. Amazing, amazing band. I think they're also like... Yeah. They are obviously still touring and outputting amazing stuff, but in that same sort of realm as Guillemot's being like, it's like thinking man's indie music. It's got yeah. all of the depth and, you know, mystery of like Bon Iver and Frank Ocean and all those sort of stuff, but with some sort of pop sensibility that manages to like just make you feel good. It's like yeah. it's like everything we're trying to do at the moment and everything I've been trying to do for the last couple of years is like sad songs you can sing with a smile on your face. Do you know this all littered yeah. with that sort of stuff where it's just like if you sat down and just listened to it, you'd be like, Ooh, you're right, bud. What's going yeah. on there? And then but yeah. like, yeah, Bombay Bicycle Club, total like unbelievable band, I think. Wonderful. Right, well I'll take you home then for this one. Um to your home county and country. Uh yeah, what are we going to start with? County? Yeah, we'll start with County. So this song uh, is a song called Eradicate the Doubt by a band called Biffy Clyro. So Biffy grew up where we grew up. So the brothers grew up in Kilmarnock and I think Simon grew up in Ayr, maybe. Um, but he, they were all sort of Ayrshire-based and obviously, I mean, we're kind of in a three-piece from Kilmarnock. You know, it doesn't really say yeah. much more than that. I think maybe musically we've gone in different directions, but I think that sort of was aspirational. And it's like yeah. those first 
three records. So Vertigo Bliss was the second record after um, Black and Sky. And it was just so fucking weird. Just such a weird, amazing cacophony of mayhem. I loved it. The songs are like like my perfect it was just like I love it Eradicate the Doubt I just think is so cool it's quest- it's Questions and Answers Questions on and Answers is on that yeah oh, geez, a tune and then Toys 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 Choke Toys 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 and yeah. like oh, a day of like it's just like they're just at that point where it's just for, for me that's where identity wise you could begin to hear how all of their playing was. So you could hear how Simon Neal would play the guitar because it wasn't like anything else you were listening to. And how like James would play and how Ben would play drums and stuff like that. It was just this sort of like three wee guys just going, Should we try that? I should try that. I'm gonna scream there. Yeah. I'm gonna make that nine minutes long. Just this sort of like it was un- genuinely unlike anything I've ever heard, and actually going back, it's unlike anything you will ever hear. But in the scene that we grew up in Ayrshire, was like loads of great guitar playing like that, and loads of like so. So they would have been. I think Black and Sky came out when I went to high school, or maybe I was in the latter years of primary school. And we started like going to gigs at like twelve or thirteen, so like loads of the guys and girls like seventeen to twenty had obviously been playing shows with them. Do you know? So it had been like this sort of thing, and there's just like an amazing wealth of good guitar music coming out of Kilmarnock at that time. Yeah. And they're obviously even in terms of like the UK, I would say they're probably the UK's biggest rock band behind like modern rock band, taking maybe Muse into consideration in Royal Blood. Yeah. But, like, it would be unfamiliar to not see them headline at least two of the major festivals in the UK. Man, like... And when I, you think it, I, I've only ever seen them live okay. once. I saw them I saw them at the uh, NME Awards. Um, I, I blagged in on James, with Jay's plus one, actually. Uh, that's how long ago it was. Uh, and and I, I, I blagged into Brixton. And two things that struck me about Biffy that night, I've been playing the singles in, in the clubs over the years anyway. Um, but we mentioned something about three pieces earlier making a fucking racket. I had never heard so much noise come from three fellas. I was like, holy shit. And I was looking to see, if, is there another guitarist somewhere? Like, like behind the curtain, a session guy. I don't know if they've got that now, but then... There was three of them, and it was a wall of sand. It was huge. And I was like, how are they doing that? And the big thing, up until then, any kind of footage I'd ever seen of Biffy was just this guy with a, a, a mop of hair, very similar to yours, all, all over his face, shirt off, never really see his face. This guy walked past our table with this quiff, and I remember looking and going, my God, how ridiculously handsome is this man? <laughs> and and he sort of looked at me. He just said, oh, what are you looking at me like that for? And I was just, just thinking, Jesus, he's a really good-looking dude. Uh, and he sort of then saw James and went like, oh, hi. And James went, hello. 
And I went, do you know him? He went, that's a singer from Biffy Clyro. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that is not that guy with long hair with his shirt off just having it. He, he was in a suit and he had this like, sort of quiff sidepine. And he was just looked like a model. I was like, that's the dude from Biffy Clyro. He scrubs up it's, well. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, but they, like, they've always been like super cool with us and like we just are from the, like Scotland's a small country and Kamarik's a smaller, do you know? Um, so it's been fun we've played a bunch of shows with them across the world and that's been like an amazing thing as well just like to do our own thing and then be able to tap into the fact that your pals are like the fucking biggest band in the UK yeah it's amazing yeah they're fucking sweet Um, and then my other song from like country is something that I never really paid much attention to until maybe the, like three or four years ago um so there's a band called the blue nile who like i'd heard tinseltown in the rain i had like i mean you can't go any new year without someone being like tinsel men and women but i discovered hats just by chance and i just remember walking and listening to this song and being like this like that whole hats record is just like this unbel. Is is happiness on hats? No, uh, hats has got like Saturday night and down to lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, who else is on it? Over the hillside, let's go out tonight from a late night train. Seven. Oh, it's just like yeah, and like that was really interesting because how they got put or how that record came about is that they were working with a hi fi company in Scotland called Lynn Audio so they made Lynn Records and they wanted to make the best sounding album like out there so that they could use that as the promo for the hi-fis so you would go in you would go into wow. the Lynn and it's like Lynn hi-fis are like 60 grand it's like a serious bit of like audio kit but they made that uh, record like to make a record for the Blue Nile and also to use as promo, or so the story goes, to use as the the, thing, the the record they would put on in the showroom. And like, just when you think about it, it's just like, ah. Oh. And the songs are amazing, his voice is amazing. And then I played a thing, there's a thing called Rip It Up, which is like a, a museum curation of like the last 50 years of Scottish pop music. So. There's it's in Edinburgh, but they do they did like a show 2019, and they were meant to be doing one this month, but it's sort of been pushed. Um, where they'll get like contemporary Scottish artists to sing Scottish pop music from the last 50 years. Um, and there's an artist in Scotland called Catherine Joseph, who's amazing, and I watched her sing the Downtown Lights nine months after I hadn't been able to stop listening to it. And it's put, it's like seven minutes long. It's like six and a half minutes long. I don't think I took a breath. Like, do you know when you actually, you've been to shows, you've heard lots of things, you've done that kind of stuff. See, that was one of the first times probably that whole year where I was like, oh, I am immobile. I'm mute. And it's the testament to how great that song is. And the band that put it on go for all the original sounds. So the whole thing is like a 10-piece band that just makes... The ex- like plays exactly what the record sounds like, and then a singer comes on top, oh, and it's incredible. just like it's 
and you can see what it's inspiring, you know, like bands like the 1975 are like very the Blue Nile, and it's just like this sort of confidence to stay on your idea. It's that same thing about the Buckley thing, and actually about most of the things that, weirdly as an adult, coming back to thinking about those things, it's actually just confidence in your idea. It's like, if any, like, pop-headed A&R had gone into Biffy when they'd made that record, then the songs, like, those songs would never have sounded like that. But that's what they wanted to do, yeah. and the authenticity there, and the confidence in the idea is actually what's the most engaging thing ever because it's authentic. It's not yeah. trying to be what it's not. It's not shoehorning its way into the next thing. It's going like, I'm going to make this music. This is how I'm going to sound for yeah. the rest of, and I'm happy with that. And it just so happens to be his voice is incredible. The song's great. You know, but like that sort of level of assuredness across everything that the Blue Nile have done, I think is just like, is class. And that, that song especially, I still listen to it and I think about it and I visualise where I am when, when like, I know exactly where I heard it for the first time. Perfect. And uh, I love that. You get to play Tastemaker and DJ now, Ross, for track seven and uh, an influencer. <laughs> uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. So during this, obviously, this year of living on my fucking phone, I have found some some people online that I think are really good. And there's a producer, I think he's based in America, called Ariza. And the reason that I found out about him was there's a song called Sean's Elise. It's like, oh, Sean's Elise. And someone had sang it on TikTok and he made... Like so, it was just an acapella, and then he made the whole like song around it with mouth trumpet and with everything. And I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" Like I'll send you it after after this. It's like it just kind of came out of the blue to me, and I was like, I could not stop listening to it. I was just like, "That's so cool!" That's not like trying to be like, "I'm a producer." Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's just like some guy going, and it sounds good because it's good enough. It's a good idea and that sort of thing. Um, so I've kind of just been keeping up following his page and stuff like that and he just put out a song with uh, an artist called Julia Gartha called Taking Up Space and I think the uh, subject matter is gorgeous. I think the it's about that sort of idea of being maybe overly apologetic in situations uh, and it talks about uh, so what's the lyric? I've always been mindful of stepping on toes, but when mine gets stepped on, I apologise. Yeah. I don't know where that little voice comes from. It's like, I, I, I do that. Do you know that sort of thing where you're like, sometimes someone will put a feeling that you've had into words and you go like, class. Yeah. Production is beautiful. Our voice is amazing. The storytelling's great. The word choice is great. And it's like, you could dance to it or you could just, it's just like for something so lyrically poignant, it just makes you feel good. And it also makes you feel, do you know how you can see yourself in other yeah. situations? You watch a film, you can see yourself in that, or you can hear yourself in a song or you can see whatever in a painting or something like that. It did 
just kind of did that for me and I haven't had it off since. Well, we make it easy for people to, to go and listen to that because we do a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, Ross, with all the songs that uh, you've chosen, some of the other ones that we've spoken about. Obviously, we put some of your music on there as well. Um, what's happening music-wise? Tell us, tell us what's new, what's going to be going down. So over the last sort of maybe since just before October we'd started releasing music from a record called Normal Fears that's coming out later this year. Um it's been a kinda of cool divulge into like electronics, right? But not in the way that when I was growing up being in a rock band, you would be in the studio and you'd be like, I think that could use a synth and everyone would be like What's the synth you're doing? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just a synth, do you know? Like that sort of thing. But it's like you just there's a buzzword somewhere, and it and it happens. But yeah, just like I kind of had this epiphany a couple of years ago, where and I don't think I'm the only person that's ever done it. But I was like, I was looking around at the songs that I was writing and looking around the the way that we were writing things and producing things and being like, there's so many people involved in making music that I love and I love how they make this sound, I love how they make that sound, I'd love to write a melody like that and stuff like that. So I actually just got in touch with a bunch of my pals and we're like, I love what you do. Why are we, like, it might be rubbish, it might be brilliant, but like, why are we just existing in our own camps when we can all just make music together? So Danny, who I wrote a couple of songs with, was really cool, but he's like properly from like, now like a, like a rock background, but like actually properly cool, lo-fi, electronic music. And then Steph Marziano, who I met in Nashville, who produced the record, um, just had this other sort of like, sort of poppy edge, but loves like the Phoebe Bridgers, Hayley Williams, like all of that sort of like, so a very similar world, but are just our style is like, very like drum machines and this. And then Bruce Rantoul, who produced our last couple of records and we just sort of got this merge of being like let's make music that fulfills us in all areas of the things that we're listening to right now whether that be like groove or rock or this so we just put a song called Dive there which is probably the most classically fatherson song so it's kind of like what I said earlier a sad song you can sing with a smile on your face it's got this like sort of uh, just tells a story of just a sort of relationship breaking down but that sort of shrug off to be like well you never really knew it was gonna you need to dive in you, you don't know what's gonna happen but if you put both feet in and try your best then you can walk away and yeah, be yeah. like well at least i gave it what i could and i sort of think that out with that context it's a pretty universal thing that you need to do because if you're born you live and you die then yeah. you need to do something that you love or at least go for it um, so yeah we've just been releasing music I did a lovely session for a song called Honest to God which was just like me on pianos and it's just this like yeah I would listen to it it's generally it's, generally, it's probably the most difficult song I've ever had to write but because of that I think it's maybe the best thing that I've ever written um, and I genuinely believe that sure, like I'm not sure. on the PR troll to be like yeah. do you know what I mean like I actually genuinely think that so that's been quite good of this record as well to be like, oh no, I actually genuinely feel like that. 
So I'm not going like, it's the shiniest, new best thing ever. It's like, I actually think lots of these songs, this record is a, gr- is a great record, and I'm excited that <clears throat> it's been coming out and people have been sending nice feedback and stuff, and then when it comes out, we'll get to tour again, and uh, hopefully this time next year, we'll be having a conversation on a beach somewhere or in a pub or at the venue where we can just like hang out and have a beer, and it's not this sort of disjointed world and we're back to being a big community um, again. Ross, if people want to kind of find out about new releases, find out about tours, where's the best place to send them? So it's at Fatherson on Instagram and then Fatherson Band everywhere else. The mailing list is actually probably a really good place. So we have a mailing list. If you go on the website, fathersonband.com, there is a sign up to the mailing list and everyone that's on the mailing list gets exclusive stuff before it gets released and tour dates and pre-sale and, and all that sort of stuff. And then there's actually a, a fan group on Facebook called Charm School for Fatherson fans. So we had a record called Charm School out on the last album. Um, and it's really amazing to see. I came across it and it's like this beautiful community of people talking about shows and like kind of like yeah, 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 almost yeah. like a street team was back when MySpace was around. Like that sort of thing. And uh it's just really nice. And w- within that, there's lots of people have posted different things that you know maybe maybe we haven't, but like videos from shows and stuff. So, um, yeah, Fatherson. If it's cool with you, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take you in it when we put this out. Uh, and, uh, and oh, one hundred percent, please do, Ross. It's been really lovely chatting, man. It's uh, it's been an absolute been really pleasure. Nice. Thanks and for having me. some ace records man and I, I, my, what I'm definitely taking from that is I'm going to go and <clears throat> revisit Blue Nile because I've not listened to him for a while and uh, and that's that's my uh, my evening walk is going to be soundtrack by Blue Nile tonight 100% 100% Oh, I will do, brother. I will do. Right, I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere just yet. But uh, but thanks again, mate. There you go. Ross, what an absolute legend. Lovely, lovely fella. Um, I'm off to listen to Blue Nile now. Um, I'd recommend you do the same. Uh, head over to Spotify. Um, if you put in Off The Beat and Track podcast, guest playlist, Father Son, uh, you'll be able to listen to all of the tracks that Ross picked. So go do that. Um, you get to explore the the magic of the Blue Nile. And, and go check out Guillemots. And if you haven't checked out Father Son, um, what are you doing? Don't listen to this anymore. Go on, piss off. Go and listen to Father Son. Anyway, before you do, just a big thank you. Thanks loads for listening. Um, I'm back next time. Uh, In the meantime, um, just, yeah, be nice to each other and see you soon. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Eat